Welcome to the Running Anthropologist Podcast. This is your host, Mark Lane Hobart. We're on episode number 67 and going strong. So grateful for your time with us, dedicating the time to improve and share your running practice, what inspires you, and um, the best of movement. Today, we have the unique honor of hosting in one of his few podcasts, Dr. Larry Camerata. And he is a psychologist and a Tai Chi practitioner and Qigong practitioner who has applied Qi running and mindful running to his practice. Uh, this is the work of Dr. Danny Dyer, um, who has um, been part of the injury-free running movement and a revolution, really, in the approach to relaxing and effortless running. So working on that form, but even more than that, working on that attitude and that approach to life, it really is a way of life, being mindful of the, uh, the chi energy practice, the chi, the energy, the vital life force, and how those things interact um, with our running and our energy levels throughout the day, how we approach life. Um, we talk about all that stuff um, uh, with Dr. Camerata and uh, had the pleasure of getting to know him on a recent uh, pilgrimage retreat that I was doing uh, from Portugal to Spain. Uh, with a small group, um, helped guide a small group uh, in walking, uh, mostly walking, some running as well, um, from Porto, Portugal to Spain, uh, to Santiago de Compostela. And about halfway through, um, we met uh, with him and his wife in in their relatively new uh, landing pad home there in Ponte de Lima, which is a beautiful town. Uh, We talk a lot more about that in the podcast. We talk a lot more about retreats and running and how to integrate um, these practices, whether it be for warm-up or for breathing, um, really the best of Eastern traditions into our, our modern running practice. And I think you're going to really love it. Um, without further ado, let's get started. Hey everybody, again, welcome and a quick reminder that you can find all the info that we talk about today, all the good stuff, the links, a few good photos, and books that we discuss on our blog site, runninganthropologist.com, as well as all the previous episodes. And you can also send us a message at Running Anthropologist uh, with a question on Instagram or Facebook. And of course, please feel free to share out the episode and uh, give us a rating on your listening app. In addition, you'll notice uh, a bit of echo as, as Larry's talking from a, across a great pond. And um, it, if you adjust the, the audio just a little bit, you'll find that he does most of the talking, so it shouldn't be too distracting. But I do apologize um, if that impacts your listening experience. And um, otherwise, hope you enjoy the interview. And uh, Le- Dr. Larry Camarado, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. I'm so, um, uh, so Larry and I met, uh, Larry is, um, a psychologist, um, as well as a Tai Chi instructor and a mindfulness instructor. He does these great retreat series for people all over the world, um, that he's going to tell us more about, but I, I just want to begin by <laughs> introducing everyone to how we met, um, because you are currently living in Portugal in Ponte de Lima. Is that right? That is correct, yes, for a little bit over a year now. 
Okay, okay. And I was recently walking on uh, the Camino de Santiago, the Portuguese route, uh, with, a, with a group. And we just were introduced by um, some like-minded folks that knew that we would make a good connection, some people walking with our group. And uh, happened by chance that we were passing through your town and got to spend an evening with you, which was a, a real blessing. What, what is it that drew you to Ponte de Lima and, as it were, living on, uh, on the Camino or living in Portugal? <laughs> you know, I get that question asked so many times, Mark, and, and my glib response tends to be one word, and that is love. But let me say a little bit more about that. You know, my wife and I have been exploring various uh, parts of Portugal, and we even lived in, in another section of Portugal, uh, close to the center of Portugal, and now we are in the green north. And when we first came upon this village, we just fell in love with it, you know? And it's, it's more than a romantic kind of thing because our roots have... have quickly deepened here, and uh, we just were smitten by the beauty of this particular area of Portugal that's known for its green mountains and very clean water and extensive running and hiking trails. It, it's, it is remarkable. I, I don't think I've ever walked through a place where I thought it was quite so abundant and just filled with like you said, water, resources, blooming flowers everywhere, and the people uh, as well it seem like they're blooming and, and so kind and, and loving. Absolutely. We have experienced nothing but generosity and kindness since we moved here. Um, so one of the ways in which we connected right away, um, Larry, is that you also are a Tai Chi instructor, a, a Chi practitioner, and as you know, I, I love running, run walking, and it just so happened that we had that in common. And um, I, I would love just maybe to get started how we usually do on, on the podcast is asking about your running roots, kind of what got you into running or other types of movement and, you know, how um, maybe chi energy work connects to that too, if, if you can um, connect those. Yeah, you know, I've always been a mover. I was... Uh... Uh, raised in a Sicilian American household, <laughs> dancing, movement, and you know, uproarious uh, sorts of uh, gestures were part of the norm and culture. And um, as a very young kid, you know, I would say maybe 14, I started playing football. So that got me connected in a more formal way to running for, for fitness. Uh, but to forward a little bit further along, in my early 20s, I just took up jogging, you know, is what it was called then, at least uh, as I recall. And uh, that just became a part of my fitness routine. And then that sort of advanced to more, uh, more distances. I'm, I'm not a particularly very long distance runner. Uh, but at a certain point in 1982, I became a United States Navy officer and psychologist. And physical training was part of that culture, of course. Hmm. And so in a more consistent way, I began to run and certainly work out in a gym and, and such. And for maybe 20 years, I, I was a fairly consistent runner. And then for whatever reason, 
I think it was because I got into a gym sort of workout where I was training on an elliptical trainer and, and doing more lifting weights and such in my in my 40s. Uh, but then it was in 2016, after I had been away from running for, oh, maybe 15 to 20 years, I was co-teaching a retreat in Italy with the top chi running trainer in UK Europe by the name of Greg Cause. And he was referred to me and my wife um, to co-teach with us by the founder, the creator of Chi Running, Danny Dreyer, who hmm. happens to live in our former town of Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. So long, okay. Yeah. And long story short, after I received Grace teachings, uh, it became very natural for me because it totally aligned with my Tai Chi background. And it just so uplifted me to have this knowledge uh, that I, I went back and applied my these methods to running the hills of Asheville, North Carolina in the Blue Ridge Mountains where I couldn't run my entire neighborhood because I was using too much effort. And after that training in 2016, I've been a consistent runner. Wow. Um, so back to it. That, yeah. That's really a transformational. So I, I have Danny Dreyer's book and I've, I've always been interested in, in chi running and kind of learning about that. I, I think for others, you know, there was a certain time that it was very popular and everyone knew about it in running. And I think some of those uh, methods have kind of been integrated into a lot of coaches mindsets now without even referring to him. But if you could tell us, you know, in the work that you do and kind of how that some of those basic principles, um, you know, how they apply to running. Uh, what, what is some of the, the core of, of what you learned and what Danny and Gray were, were teaching? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's, let's start from a, a physical perspective. There's about four or five essential points that are associated with the chi running method. And then I'll talk a little bit about bringing more mindfulness to the process. Okay. Uh, so some of the physical aspects are, you know, running in a, in a tall way, posture is uplifted, and you want to be aligned, of course, shoulders over hips and feet forming a, a, nice, a nice line. Uh, so running tall, there's a little bit of a forward lean, not from the waist, but from the ankles. And that's sort of like allowing you to use the, the gravity as if it's pulling you along in, in your striding. And then another point is landing on the midfoot uh, as opposed to the heel, which is seen as having a braking effect. Uh, and very much uh, in alignment with Tai Chi, running from your core, you know, running from the core part of the body, leveling out the pelvis. Uh, this creates uh, a little bit of a shorter stride and um, I think aids in the efficiency of running. And lastly, and certainly not least, and I'd like to talk more about this, relaxation, hmm. which is so very much aligned with Tai Chi, you know. Um, lately, I've been connecting with the idea that if I can't smile on my run, 
that I'm not running the way I want to run, Ooh, you know. That's a good and, one. And I realize, <laughs> you know, there's some competitor, competitive runners out there, and some may very well be able to, to run, uh, to smile, rather, uh, during a competitive run. But um, I'm not a competitor only, only in relationship to my own times, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, but I do believe that if we can smile, not just in running, but in everyday life in an authentic way, then we're bringing joy to the experience, you know, and that very much is in alignment with mindfulness practice, too. And I can say more about mindfulness if, if, if you'll uh, sure. uh, allow me. Yeah, before we get into that, because I know that we're, there's a lot I'd love to ask you about uh, your mindfulness work. Um, yes. I, I'd just like to take a step back, and for those that are maybe, un, you know, people have all heard of Qigong and Tai Chi, seen people in the park doing it, you know, seen these elegant movements, and it looks very relaxing, but what is, um, what is the root of that? What does Qi actually mean when we say Qi, you know, is it energy, and why, um, you know, if it's, I know it's related to energy, but why should um, people think about practicing it? What you know? Why have people practiced it for thousands of years from the Eastern tradition? And how did awesome. you you know? How do you see the benefits of it playing out for people you coach and people you work with um, as an instructor? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you mentioned two terms. One one term is qigong, and that means energy cultivation. Energy cultivation, and I like to sort of reference this in a very non-esoteric way. Uh, when we breathe, we bring energy into the body. You know, to me, it's, it's that simple. And when we tense up our muscles, we have less access to, you know, free-flowing energy, i.e. blood circulation, this kind of thing. So Qigong is one of the four pillars of traditional Chinese medicine, which includes acupuncture, massage and herbal medicine and the aim of qigong which is a moving and breathing meditation practice uh, the aim is to um, balance imbalanced energy if you will or clear stuck energy so in a more concrete way that could mean um, relaxing the body to clear up the constrictions of muscular tension. It could mean slowing down to balance out our high pressure, high paced way of talking and walking, etc., etc. Uh, so Qigong is, is purely a healing modality that also has spiritual uh, spiritual roots as well, all the way to enlightenment, if you will. Um, and then Tai Chi, this is an interesting factoid I like to tell my beginning students. The term Chi in Tai Chi is not the Chi of Qigong in this sense. It's a conventional mispronunciation. The, the term is Tai Chi. Tai Chi Chuan is the formal term of what we call Tai Chi. Tai Chi Chuan is translated as the, the boxing system that's based <laughs> upon the harmonious and complementary union of yin and yang. The balancing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, still energy involved, but it's not directly related to the name. 
to the to the term itself. Yeah, right. Tai Chi. Everyone knows that word Tai Chi or Tai Chi uh, is that uh, refers to the Chinese philosophy that is represented by the Tai Chi symbol called the Tai Chi Tu, uh, which is the yin and yang complementarity of opposites. You know. Yeah. So when we say Tai Chi, referring to the, the even, I think, more popular practice in the United States and many Western countries, although Qigong is picking up, uh, we're referring to, at its foundation, what's called an internal martial art. Uh, many people don't know that Tai Chi, when practiced as a martial art, is one of the fastest martial arts you will ever see displayed because velocity is not impeded by physical tension like you might see in some other martial arts. Interesting. So in other words, the, they know the Tai Chi movements and the routine so well, and it's not impeded by, as you say, like the, the hard punches or the kicks or the, the things that we typically associate with martial arts. Right, but there's also hardness in Tai Chi, which a lot of folks don't don't realize as well. And that's when it's used as a martial art. Okay. Now, you know, all that being stated, when Tai Chi is practiced as you might stereotypically think of Tai Chi in a slow and soft manner, then it actually becomes a form of Qigong. It becomes that healing meditative movement. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting that you share that because um, I've been primarily practicing uh, Qigong for the past decade, but every once in a while I'll come across uh, a Tai Chi session or class and I pop in and I say, you know what, this is very similar. Even though I'm not well-versed in the, the Tai Chi routine and I, I haven't uh, went through a formal class, I can see a lot of the interrelatedness um, in terms of the movements. Um, to me, um, that, as you said, the moving meditation element is what draws me to it. And I find it's, it's very, very useful for um, feeling connected to, you know, to the earth, uh, connected to my breath uh, before I go out for a run or, or even after. It can be a good cool down as well. Um, so it's, I'm not saying that it's necessarily a functional practice only, but for me personally, I found that that's a great preparation for going out into the world, um, starting of starting one's day, for example. Um, how, how do you find, um, is most useful to practice, um, any either Tai Chi or Qigong in terms of the flow of your day or others days? Absolutely. Well, I practice both every day, uh, Tai Chi more so. Um, because that's my primary art. But in recent months, actually, especially since my wife and I have been teaching a lot about the science of sleep and sleep health, I've been engaging in a ritual that I, I highly recommend for everyone, especially anyone having difficulties with sleep. And, and what I do is I, I go outside upon awakening you know this is before any coffee or tea I, I i expose my eyes to ambient light that is i'm not wearing my my glasses uh and i'm doing some slow meditative movements and of course this is opening up my body this is stretching my my muscles opening up the joints 
And it's also uh, waking up the brain and helping the brain to adjust to circadian rhythms, mm. which regulate not only sleep, but also alertness uh, during the day, mood as well, and so many other physiological uh, functions. So I'm using Qigong as a morning ritual these days. And then my Tai Chi practice um, tends to also be uh, at first practiced in the morning, and then often I will have uh, an afternoon practice tacked on to that. I have to admit, I, I have somewhat of a positive addiction to doing Tai Chi. It just <laughs> feels so good to me. All right. Yeah. So basically, any time is a good time for doing Tai Chi. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I. It's funny as you mentioned that. So we, I've noticed that some, for example, running retreats, big running conventions, um, you know, the big running coaches out there have started recommending. Oh, you should integrate some of that, you know, that yoga or that tai chi or that qigong into your. Uh, into your day, and it's had tremendous effects on, you know, as you mentioned, on balance, on flexibility, on just um, somehow moving the body in ways that aren't so um, repetitive as, as running can be. Um, have you found that um, that is complementary to your running practice, or is it uh, at odds, or what have you found? Extraordinarily complementary to my running practice. Um, for one, you know, these practices, when they're undertaken in, in a mindful way, uh, really greatly enhance body awareness. Mm -hmm. So the, the practitioner in this context that we're talking about, the runner uh, who practices Qigong and or Tai Chi, uh, is able to make some micro adjustments to alignment, for example, or let's say... Uh, the shoulders are a bit hunched up and you become aware of that because one of the principles of Tai Chi practice is keep those shoulders and elbows down. And so the body awareness and the access to deep muscular uh, relaxation and of course the breath all integrate very nicely with a running program. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess I thought a little bit more about the breath work and less about the body posturing. But you're right, that idea of, oh, I'm really aware of how my shoulders are and my positioning, if I'm tensing up um, or if yes. I need to relax, that sort of thing is so important for a distance runner especially. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because you just triggered uh, an awareness in me, uh, Mark, in that in traditional Chinese medicine and Qigong practice, uh, we often hear that when we tense up our shoulders, we constrict our lungs. Hmm. So think about that. Think how if you were to squeeze your shoulders toward one another in the front, let's say, mm -hmm. there might be a corresponding uh, constriction across the chest, and that might impact the diaphragm and you know the lung space too. So it's, it's all connected, you know, relaxed body, more free flowing breath and more free flowing breath. We have a greater chance to relax our bodies. Yeah. And that, um, you know, there are a lot of scientific um, ways in which these things are being measured now with our devices and our watches um, yes. in terms of our breathing, our oxygen, our heart rate. 
but then you've got the more traditional method, which may actually be <laughs> slightly better for us of just that awareness of our body and our breathing. Um, of course, they can be complementary. Uh, <laughs> but that both of them lead us to this idea of mindfulness. Um, I know it's, it's a broad um, topic and one which you teach on often. I was wondering if you could um, just give us a, a, a brief kind of how it applies to you and what you teach about um, mindfulness in, in your work and your retreats. Sure, absolutely. Well, um, let, me, let me just say uh, or mention a definition of mindfulness that I recently put together because there are so many definitions out there and it can be really confusing. So lately I've been using the idea that mindfulness is the awareness that's cultivated when remembering to pay attention to the present moment with acceptance. So it has to do with present-centered awareness, and it has to do with remembering. And I underscore that word remembering because it honors the ancient traditions uh, that are about remembering what we value, remembering the disciplines that help us to essentially wake up to our capacity for joy, for peace, and, and compassion. You know, and so mindfulness is nicely applied really to any any activity. Um, I was thinking the other day while running uh, that there, there are different ways you can use mindfulness, of course, um, while running. And you can think that or imagine that there are five channels or six channels that we can tune into when we're running or throughout our day and those are the five sensory channels hmm. and also the mind you know now there's nothing wrong with being connected to your thoughts and all that but when the mind goes when when we bring our awareness to the mind often it's you know problem solving mode nothing wrong with that but sometimes we don't want to solve a problem or maybe it's planning something or imagining something or maybe judging something or someone on the other hand when we're on a run and we want a little bit of a vacation from that kind of mental energy we can go to the five sensory channels and i was experimenting with this just the other day I don't particularly have a refined olfactory sense. My sense of smell is, in my opinion, average, you know. Um, but I was starting to tune into the smells of the trees around me, and I, and I made some connection there, you know. And this is one way to work with mindfulness when, when we're running, to tune into sounds of the birds or in my case also in addition to birds and trees smells the, the, the uh, sounds and the sights of a flowing river beside me because I often run alongside a, a beautiful river hmm. that's, that's beautiful you know I think that's it sounds so simple right but like most things in life it's it's the simple things that are the sometimes the hardest to do because as you said, we're caught up in whatever, our, our planning, our resentments from the past or our planning for the future or um, or even just 
as you mentioned, being really competitive and uh, having negative self-talk, like, oh, I should be running faster than this, or I should be <laughs> keeping up with whatever, uh, rather than just enjoying the, the run and being present to the, the footsteps and the sounds and um, that Absolutely. sort of thing. Mark, you're making a wonderful point, and I particularly appreciated your use of the word enjoy. You know, uh, we often think of these kinds of practices, running or meditation for that matter, as being really serious, you know. And there's nothing wrong with being serious about your practices, but at the same time, we can bring a sense of enjoyment to them, you know, and ultimately, when we're truly mindful, that is when we're really present and we've kind of relinquished our attachment to the stories and judgments and such, this naturally occurring joy, you can call it the energy of the body, whatever you like to call it, if you have a religious tradition, whatever that is, seemingly lifts you up and then you're able to authentically smile because you're enjoying your life yeah and it, isn't that the the goal of the present is to be be present to those enjoyable moments yes. Um, yes. and uh, yeah so there there is great obviously there's great merit in people that set running goals for um, personal fitness for, for example, for, um, for weight loss or for, you know, whatever the person's goal may be to, uh, get rid of, uh, you know, depression or, you know, some of these things that running has been proven beneficial to or movement in general. Um, but in order, I think, I think this is true in order to keep going in your practice at some point, you really have to find a way to enjoy it. Otherwise you won't keep doing it. That's been my experience. Um, yes, you know, it reminds me of the, the, uh, the, the saying uh, that the, the journey or, or the, the journey is the destination, you know. Mm. Uh, so when, when we're really connected, even though we may have a goal in mind and people often don't get into these practices without a particular goal motivating them, and that's fine. But when we're in the practice itself, you know, we want to keep our eyes on the road, literally and metaphorically. We <laughs> want to just be right there on the spot and, and know that without that end goal having been attained, there's still benefit in, in being present to our life on this, on this road, so to speak. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that this is going to be in Spanish, not Portuguese, but they say el camino es la meta. The, the journey or the way is the destination. That's a very popular saying on the Camino, um, the yes. Camino pilgrimage route. So I, I, I find that connection really cool, too, because that's how we met. Um, so what have been a few, if you don't mind my asking, just, you know, whatever comes to mind, whatever you'd like to share. What have been a few of your most memorable um learning experiences or travel experiences with running where you say, oh, this, this place or this particular culture is something that I want to share with others. I wish that they could experience it too. You know, I mentioned Italy uh, a moment ago and Italy immediately flashed into my mind. Uh, Assisi, Italy is one of the places that my wife and I have led retreats in. It's a beautiful medieval town. And um, last, I believe it was the last time we were there, um, which was just last year, um, 
you know, I had this awareness that if, if I, if I didn't run, then I wouldn't see this beautiful town in the way I'm seeing it. You know, that is, there's, uh, I was closer to the trees, to go back to the trees. I was closer to the hills, you know. I was closer to the architecture. Uh, so it's really literally opened up my eyes to how, how I can see the world uh, through, through running and um, how I can also refine my ability to navigate in the world. Admittedly, um, I don't have an incredible sense of direction, but I find, speaking of mindfulness task, I find that when I run, of course, usually my skills at navigating, you know, my internal compass is a little bit more refined simply because I want to be able to get back home. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be something to that, that short-term memory, maybe the blood to the brain and, you know, that uh, get a natural instinct of that we get. Um, so I, you know, for newcomers, I, I think a lot of the people who listen to this um, and to read about the topics we cover are really interested in the, the cultural and the spiritual aspects of running, approaching it a little differently than kind of the mainstream. Um, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is a perfect talk for that. Um, I have uh, Danny Dyer's book with me, Chi Running. I also have um, several other books, uh, including Zen, The Art of Zen Running, and I've tried to pick up as much as I could from those. Um, but I would also love if you would share out um, a few of the resources that you find most useful, or even from your own um, from your own teaching, your own website, um, if you can refer folks to to things that may cover some of the topics we've been talking about. Well, you know, certainly the the book by Danny Dreyer you mentioned on chi running is is an excellent resource. Uh, honestly, I haven't used too many written resources to inform uh, my running practice. Uh, primarily my Tai Chi practice and my past uh, training uh, retreat have informed uh, my running uh, in that way. Uh, but also I've been at times using uh, what we might call mindfulness verses or mantras, if you will, you know. Uh, when you're running, you can correlate your in-breath and out-breath with a silent word or phrase it might be as simple as in out hmm. when you're taking some measured breaths or rising falling particularly if you're of course breathing from the diaphragm the, the, the belly is going to expand rising upon inhale and contract uh, falling on on exhale but you can also use some other words that um, reference certain let's call them skills or values that you would like to integrate into your mind, body, and heart, hmm. like breathing in, enjoy, breathing out, relax, or breathing in, focus, breathing out, calm, you know, and, and that can plant a very powerful seed. And I always tell my students and clients, when we use these kinds of words, don't get swept up into some kind of hypnotic, um, let's say, uh, suggestion 
uh, into the words, but rather connect with the words in a palpable way within your body. So if you're telling yourself calm, can you reference that experience of calm inside your body? So it becomes a real experience. Hmm. Well, that's that's so powerful. I, I think that would be so I've done so sitting meditation, obviously the mantra breathing in, breathing out, thinking of a, a word that were an intention. But I've never tried. I think that would be especially good at the beginning, kind of in a, a warm up, like a warm up walk run to, to setting your intention for that time. I, I definitely have to do that. That's that's a wonderful suggestion. Um, and, and do you so in, in your continuing work, I, I want to give a shout out to um, Mindfulness Travels, which is your work. Um, you're the director of education there. You've also worked on, at the East Bay Mindfulness Center. Um, you direct training programs there. Um, w- if, if people wanted to know more about your retreats or about how to get on your docket as a, a, in Tai Chi or Qigong, um, how would they find you? How, what's the best way to connect? I would say the best way is to visit our website, which is simply mindfulnesstravels.com. Okay, yeah, that's a great way to get started. And what do you have planned for the near future? I, so I know you you live in perhaps one of the most beautiful cities and, and humble cities that I've been to, Ponte de Lima in Portugal. Um, yes. and so I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot there. But what do you have in the near future um, planned and what are you looking forward to? Well, actually, this is a very excited couple weeks coming up because on Friday we leave for Spain, northern Spain, Asturias, Spain, uh, to lead a retreat there for a week. And then, um, and that's in the context of a beautiful UNESCO biosphere reserve, highly mountainous, lots of trails. And then when we conclude that retreat, <clears throat> we're going right into another retreat in our town of Ponte de Lima in, in Portugal here. So, so June is a very busy, uh, busy month for us. Uh, beyond, beyond that, our next retreat after these two June retreats conclude uh, will include um, back, to, um, back to Costa Rica, actually, in um, that, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. In September, rather, uh, we'll be again back in Portugal in our town of Ponta Lima with a, a master mindfulness teacher by the name of Dr. Ronald Siegel, who's a psychologist and a wonderful practitioner of mindfulness with a great sense of humor who can integrate the science and practice of, of mindfulness. And so that will be the last um, the last retreat we do in 2022. Okay, and then and then sometime back to the uh, back to the Americas, back to Costa Rica at some point in the near future. We'll we'll keep updated on that. Um, but I, you know, for those that are that have not traveled on the Camino or have not been to, um, you know, the, the coastal Portugal or near, it's actually central Portugal. Um, it's from the East Coast. It's really a, an easy and inexpensive trip if, if you're interested in learning more and in traveling to one of these retreats. Um, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's a great part of the world. And of course, um, perhaps you could walk part of the Camino before or after uh, participating. So I, I want to refer people to uh, 
to reach out and to research that um, in your practice as well. But um, the main thing that I, I'm hoping that people got from, from this interview is a little bit more about the roots of, you know, what is Tai Chi and Qigong and how to, you know, how could it affect me on an everyday life, but then also, of course, in, in running. And I, I, I think that we did that. I, I think you did that. It's just an absolutely awesome description. Thank you so much. Uh, and perhaps uh, as a closing note, you could share with us um, any kind of mantras or ideas that you live by that you think, oh, you know, if I could impart just this one thing to people to make a better future, what, what would that be? What would you share with the world? What comes to my mind is relax. Also, when under stress, drop any kind of stressful story you might be carrying, which is probably impacting your relaxation and ability to enjoy life as well. And to really be kind to yourself and, and other people, because being, being a friend to yourself, being a friend to other people that you meet on the path, even those who rub you the wrong way, is an essential way of being that can create peace in everyday life. I think I got it. Relax, let go of stress stories. And be kind, be loving to people in daily encounters. Um, Absolutely, that's amazing. If I could, if I could master those three things, I think my life would be pretty good. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> You're all working on it, and that's that's the other thing I like to impart: the idea that this is all a practice. You know, I never want to sound like this is some idealized way of being. This is why we practice, because human beings, we, we always tend to fall short of our ideals. <laughs> and uh, though we want to practice without judging ourselves uh, for being imperfect on this kind of path. Yeah, you know, that's that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm so grateful for our time here, uh, Dr. Larry Camerata. Um, and I, I do think it, if we're touching on culture, you know, where between where you are and the people that you're encountering and where I am here in semi-competitive, uh, fast-paced, um, bigger city in the States, um, I, you know, I have noticed the difference that people can learn to relax and that they can learn to be more, more loving and people-centered. And I think it's through travels that, you know, one experiences those different cultures and sees, oh, this is another possibility. This is another way, so to speak. Um, Absolutely. Without a doubt. Do we have time to, for me to say a couple other things? Yes, definitely. Thank you. I, uh, I was uh, flashing upon um, when my wife and I relocated uh, about 15 years ago, before we moved to Portugal, we relocated from California to Asheville, North Carolina, from San Diego to Asheville, North Carolina, much different cultures. And for the first time in my adult life, I was unemployed, you know. Mm. Uh, well, the anxiety set, set in later, but what I discovered when I was driving cross country, relocating from California, is that I felt more relaxed, I think, than I've been in years. 
And it made me think that, you know, we all tend to habituate to our chronic tensions and our ways of thinking, our ways of speaking, our ways of relating. And it's not until we unplug, like you were talking about traveling, you know, it's not until we consciously unplug that we can then see what's showing up in our life, literally in our bodies sometimes. Hmm. And so creating that kind of space and meditation and running can do that. Creating that kind of space allows us to take a look, to take a sense into what's what's happening in our minds and bodies and hearts. I couldn't agree more. Well, um, Larry, I, I know we'll be in touch in the near future. I have pipe dreams of putting together a, a running retreat uh, along the Camino. So I um, would hope that you would be involved if we if we can get that together and, and run through Ponte de Lima. Um, and I uh, would love to have you join us for some uh, some walk runs if, uh, if that materializes in the near future. That sounds wonderful, Mark. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today and I appreciate people checking in and um, just so good to have met you so, uh, so synchronistically. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And again, Dr. Larry Camerata, you can find him at mindfulnesstravels.com um, and uh, director of education there. And he also does uh, mindfulness training and Tai Chi training uh, education through his work. Thank you again. Uh, and of course, Chi Running, thank you again for joining us. <laughs> And that was the Running Anthropologist podcast for this episode number 67. So glad that you're with us. Uh, please check out our blog site, runninganthropologist.com, and share with friends. Uh, we'd love to have uh, more Running Anthropologists out there. Uh, share with us what inspires you, places you've been, places you've ran. We'd love to hear from you if you'd like to recommend someone that has a unique corner of running culture and some insight into running. We would love to talk to them. Uh, in the near future, we're going to be hosting people from Roadrunners Club of America. We're going to be having on uh, marathon organizers and trainers from some of the world marathon majors, as well as some marathons that and ultras that are lesser known. So I hope to share out throughout this racing season and this running season uh, things that are inspiring for, for all people, regardless of our pace and regardless of how far we're running. Um, keep moving. And until next time, we wish you and yours happy running. <laughs>